Good morning to all of you here in person. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to those of you online. For those of you who have completely lost track of what day it is or what month it is, let me tell you that right now it is Sunday, November the 21st, 2021. This is the last Sunday of the church's calendar year. So that means that next Sunday, believe it or not, is the first Sunday in Advent, which means Christmas is just around the corner. This last Sunday in the calendar year is commonly called the Feast of Christ the King or Christ the King Sunday. It celebrates Christ's messianic kingship and his rule over all creation. But before we look at the scripture, I want to tell you something of the background of the origin of this feast day. So it was introduced by Pope Pius XI in 1925. So let's think about what was happening in 1925, particularly in Europe. The First World War had ended in 1918 and people were still recovering. This was the war to end all wars, and people were hoping for peace, a lasting peace. And people had a deep need for security. However, as many of you are aware, the Treaty of Versailles, signed in 1919, imposed punitive me measures on Germany which began to destabilize Europe. Nationalism began to rise, and people were fearful of another war. So people were looking for a king, for a leader, for someone who would give them security, for someone that would promise lasting peace. Leaders like Lenin, Mussolini and Hitler rose to power. Why? Because they promised hope. Because they promised prosperity. Because they promised security in a world that was insecure. Not unlike the Roman world, Europe in the 1920s was looking for a savior. They were looking for a worldly king to save them, to be the answer to all their problems. Pope Pius XI recognized that people needed to be reminded of who the true king was. People needed to be reminded that they were not to look to worldly leaders for salvation, for peace. They needed to be reminded that they needed to look to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega. They needed to look to Jesus. For he believed that Christ the King was the only one to truly save mankind and to truly give people the peace that they longed for. In 1925, he was quoted as saying, 
as long as individuals and states refuse to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no really hopeful prospect of lasting peace among the nations. As history would prove out, he was very right, and he continues to be right today. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to John 18, verses 33 to 38. So that's John 18, verses 33 to 38. Where are we? We're in a room with Pilate and Jesus. It is often called the second trial scene. For those of you unfamiliar with the Gospel of John, let me give you a recap. The high priest Caiaphas had advised the Jewish council, the Jewish council being the Pharisees, Sadducees, and priests, that this Jesus was quite a problem. He wasn't just any kind of miracle worker. He wasn't just any kind of biblical scholar or rabbi with a following. This Jesus was different, and Caiaphas wanted them to know it. He was different because the Jews called him king. In fact, some of them called him the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ. So Caiaphas, as you read in scripture, wanted people to remember what's going to happen if the people crown him king. What are the Romans going to say? What's going to happen to our priesthood? Caiaphas convinced the council that Jesus was very dangerous and that if they ignored him, he might start a major war. They needed to preserve law and order. So for the sake of the nation, Caiaphas convinced the council that Jesus must die. But the Jewish leaders could not execute Jesus, only Rome could, and so that's why the Jewish leaders brought Jesus to Pilate. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you king of the Jews? Now in John's gospel narrative, there is no formal charge mentioned. If you go into the other synoptic gospels, you might get a bigger picture of what was going on at that time. But we can assume from Pilate's question that the Jews had brought the charge of treason against Jesus. Pilate needed to determine only one thing. Was Jesus a threat to Caesar? 34. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Jesus may be wondering, what was Pilate thinking when he asked that question? Was he actually curious? Did he really want to know who Jesus was? Did he have a sense that Jesus was some kind of royalty? Or was he just echoing the concerns of the Jewish leaders? The dialogue that follows is often classified as the clash of kingdoms. The clash of kingdoms. Paulette need to know, was Jesus a political threat to Rome? You know, Pilate didn't really care what the Jews thought of Jesus. The Jews had rebels throughout their history. Many people ruffled the feathers of the Jewish council. 
And in fact, some Romans, I'm sure many Romans, throughout history would have joked that the Jews produced messiahs by the sackful. That wasn't Pilate's concern. He didn't think it was his problem. He just needed to know one thing. This Jesus, was he a king that would lead a rebellion against Rome? Verse 38, Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is saying that his kingship does not come by violence or imperial might. His sovereignty does not originate from this world. It is not like other kingdoms. His kingship originated from God, not from Rome. He is not a worldly king. He will not take Rome by force. He is not a threat to Roman authority. Now, it is important to understand a couple of things by that statement. Jesus, by staying, his kingdom does not originate in this world, is not saying that his kingdom is not active in this world. Jesus came into the world, why? To bring judgment and salvation. His kingdom would affect the world, but it did not belong to the world. Now, it's important at this point to realize that Jesus is telling us something very interesting. This world we see, this finite world we see, isn't all there is. Isn't all there is. There is another spiritual reality where Christ is king. And I don't know about you, but I like that. I like that thought in the dark moments. I like that thought in the pain and sorrow. I like that thought when I look at the news and the natural, natural disasters and the wars and the heartache and the brokenness. I like the fact that this isn't all there is, that there is more. I like the fact that this is not my true home as a kid of the kingdom, as a follower of Jesus. I'm just here for a moment, and I will be with God in eternity. An important fact, an important statement. When time is tough, when you're wondering, what is the point of it all? The point of it all is to get to know Jesus and claim your right and your place in the kingdom. Verse 37. Jesus answers saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. So Jesus had told Pilate what his kingdom was not, and now he was telling Pilate what his kingdom is. His kingdom is the kingdom of truth. Jesus came into the world for what reason? To walk among men, to be God incarnate. What does that mean? To be God in the flesh. To be God with skin on, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us. Jesus was to bear witness to God, to his love, to his saving sovereignty, 
and those who accepted his kingship would experience life everlasting and those that did not would face judgment. Never ever lose sight of the fact that Jesus' primary mission was to get to the cross. To get to the cross. He saved, yes, because he's God. He healed, yes. But what was his purpose? To get to the cross. In Kids Club, we say that Jesus was God's rescue mission or rescue plan. When Jesus died, he rescued us. He rescued us. He redeemed us. He conquered death and sin. What did he do? He bridged the chasm between God and man. The chasm that happened. Why? Because we didn't obey God. Why? Because we sinned. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty for our sins. He freed us. Freed us for what? Freed us to be able to be in a right relationship with God. That's why he came. That's the purpose of why he came. Why did he come? So that you and I could be part of his kingdom. So that you and I could be part of his kingdom. In verse 38, if you read it, it is very clear that Pilate now realizes that Jesus is no threat to Rome. I've often mused about Pilate. He was on the wrong side of history, but he did get that point right. He did understand that Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. Some scholars would say that this clash of kingdoms, which is seen in this scene, is a critical piece of the passion narrative. We see on one side Caesar, represented by Pontius Pilate, and the other Jesus. What did Caesar do? He enlarged the Roman Empire by violence and force. What did Jesus do? He enlarged the kingdom of God by love and sacrifice. Jesus is not a worldly king that will use violence or force to advance his kingdom. God's kingdom is advanced when people accept Christ for who he is, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. When people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then the kingdom comes. When people submit to the rule of Christ, then the kingdom comes. As I think about the kingship of Christ and his kingdom, I think about a painting, and some of you may have seen this painting. It's a very old and famous painting, painted around the 1900s by Holden, Holman Hunt. Holman Hunt. I believe it's called The Light of the World. And you see Jesus knocking at the door. He's not pushing down the door. He's not kicking down the door. He's knocking on the door. Revelation 3.20, look. I am standing at the door knocking. If one of you hears me calling and opens the door, I will come in to share a meal at the person's side. Jesus knocks at the door of each of our hearts and waits for a response. He is a different kind of king 
He's a king that enlarges his kingdom by love and sacrifice. So in summary, Jesus, the king of the universe, the Messiah, the king of kings and lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, wants to be in relationship with each of you. And he's knocking at your door. Now be clear, he just doesn't want to visit for a moment. He just doesn't want to talk to you for a while. He's knocking at your door because he wants in to your heart. And he wants in constantly. Why? To save you, to forgive you, to comfort you, to redeem you, to grant you peace. But he doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be your king and your Lord. He wants to reign in your life. May we see Jesus today and always as he truly is, Christ the King. And may we allow him to reign in us in his power and might and majesty from this day forward and forevermore. Amen.